I graduated from that school with a suitcase of clothes and a hundred dollar check of which I couldn't cash because I had no bank account. <laughs> I learned real quick what a uh, check casher was actually. Um, and I got uh, $67.50 instead of a hundred dollars. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown ups, if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you wanna read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. This interview was taped a couple of months ago, and when I went back to listen to it to write this introduction, I got emotional because this financial grown-up entrepreneur and philanthropist, Jason Wolf, who has had a string of gift card tied businesses that you're going to hear about, is just so remarkable. We all have different starting lines in life, and that's something we've talked about here on the show, and we all have our obstacles. But the story that you're going to hear from Jason may be the most inspiring story we have literally ever had on this podcast. Let's just get right into it. Here is Jason Wolf. Hey, Jason Wolf, you're a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bobby, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I am so excited to have you. We're going to learn so much from you in addition to your fascinating and inspiring background that we're going to talk about in your money story. You're an investor, you're a business builder. Your holding company is actually called Wolf LLC, as in your last name, but you have been an investor uh, in and really the force behind so many companies. I think a lot of our listeners might have heard of giftcards.com, which you sold a couple of years ago for a cool uh, $120 million. You're also behind Gift Card Granny and Giftia and and you're also the chairman of the Pittsburgh Technology Council. So congratulations on all of that success. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're doing some great things and uh, historically been able to build some great businesses and, uh, you know, give back to the community with the Tech Council. Sure. And we're going to hear more about that after your money story. But it has to do with what I alluded to, which were some very challenging times as a very young child. Yeah, I grew up very poor on welfare. Mother had some mental issues. My dad took off. We thought he was dead. So I grew up uh, in a place, I'm not sure how many of your listeners know, there's a, there's a person named Milton Hershey. And Milton Hershey was the man who started the Hershey Chocolate Company. He started an orphanage in 1909. And he had it in his heart, him and his wife, to give back to needy children. So in 1915 or somewhere thereabouts, Catherine, his wife, passes away. Instead of remarrying, instead of going off and spending a bunch of money, he spent more time with the boys in the orphanage and decided to give his fortune to the Milton Hershey School, which is owned by the trust. And in 1945, left $84 million to the trust. Today, it's worth $13 billion. I mean, I grew up there. So your mother, under these unfortunate circumstances, sent you to live in the orphanage. 
Yes. Yes, she did. And what age were you? I was 10 years old. And I, I lived in a uh, sort of an agricultural uh, environment with 16 boys. So I lived in a house and we milked cows and baled hay and straw and had that kind of life with two house parents and 16 brothers. Wow. Tell me about the lessons that you learned at the school as a young boy, because that became instrumental in all of your success as an entrepreneur. Well, I learned hard work, obviously. Before going to Milton Hershey School, my mother being you know, mentally disabled and not being able to take care of us, I was able to stay up until two o'clock in the morning, wandering around the streets. It wasn't a hard town I lived in, but it was just one of those things. I didn't have structure or, or work ethic or anything like that. When I got to Milton Hershey School, I was not able to wander the streets till midnight or two o'clock. I had uh, to get up at five o'clock in the morning, milk cows, get back from school, play sports, all the things that gave me structure in my life and hard work and uh, taught me how to be more responsible. What I also learned is I had something that I didn't realize I had until later in life, which is uh, something that uh, people are starting to measure now. It's not IQ and it's not how good looking you are, how good of an athlete you are. It's really that inside grit that you have. If you have grit, fortitude, I learned that that was something that I did have. And I, and I learned how to take that grit and uh, form it into what it turned out to be a successful business career. Were they talking to you in the school about how you would support yourself as you grew up? Because that's something universally many parents struggle with, how to teach their children to be earnings focused and, and in your case, entrepreneurial focus. I mean, where did that come from in the school environment? Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. So they didn't teach us uh, at that time. Again, this is in the 1980s. Okay. So today the school's different. They have programs to help kids that go through high school to graduate, to transition to the real world. Back when I was in that school, they didn't have that kind of thing. So I graduated from that school with a suitcase of clothes and a $100 check of which I couldn't cash because I had no bank account. <laughs> I learned real quick what a uh, check casher was actually. Um, and I got uh, $67.50 instead of $100. Um, no, I went off and I actually built my own life. Um, I wasn't given tools to figure out how to do it. I did it on my own. And uh, I was uh, went through some major spinal surgery and uh, was recovering. And it was 1995. I taught myself how to write software. I created the first coupon site in 1995 because I bought a book from CompUSA at the time. I'm not even sure how I bought that book, to tell you the truth. I didn't have any money. I was living out of my car. <laughs> I honestly was living out of my car. You were living out of your car? Yes, for how long and how, how did that happen? It happened because I had a couple major surgeries. And I was living with somebody and I couldn't do what I used to be able to do. I was laid up. I was um, just not the same person. I became depressed. After two major spinal surgeries, I just wasn't the same person. So she and I broke up. I had nowhere to go. Of course, I grew up in Milton Hershey School. It's not like I had a family to go to. So I just basically lived in my car. And as I was living in my car, a friend of mine allowed me to use part of his office to put my computer, of which that's when I was learning how to build an internet business. And so I went from $4,000 that year in revenue to 35000 year after, to 1998, uh, 180000 99 a million dollars. I raised a half a million dollars in venture capital in 99, and I sold it right before the bubble burst in 2000 for, 100, or for $22 million. Wow. What was the tipping point that got you mentally from living in a car to what you just talked about, to that progression of incremental progress that then led to where you are today? You know, Bobby, I'm not sure. Like I was saying a little earlier, I think some people have what is internally fortitude or grit. 
And, uh, you know, it's something that we really haven't measured in our country. You know, when kids are growing up, we don't measure how, how much grit does this kid have or whatever else. Um, it's something that I had. And uh, it was, there was a lot of it. So I was able to pull through things. And then I also have faith in God. And so I, I believe with my faith and my grit, I was able to pull through some of the things I think a lot of people would not be able to pull through. That's for sure. For our listeners, what is the lesson that they can learn from this? Because to make such a dramatic self-driven transformation is incredible. And I can't even process how this happened when you're in the car and you have nothing. How, what do you do first even? What do you even do? <laughs> That's a good question. You find a street to go pull your car down that you can sleep in. So nobody will, you know, the police won't come and get you. You know, what I've learned through this is not only about grit and about fortitude, but I also learned the lesson of giving, honestly. I mean, look at Milton Hershey, who left his entire fortune to help thousands of children. If it wasn't for Milton Hershey School, not only would I be homeless, I probably would have been in jail or much worse, probably dead. So I look at the lesson to be learned here, and probably one of the subconscious reasons why I'm in the gifting business is about giving. It's about giving back and it's about gifting to other people because you can create joy with those people and you can create changes in people's lives. And although I was homeless and living out of my car, I had a foundation that I learned from Milton Hershey that uh, has proven to be something that was like a cornerstone of my life. So are there specific things that you think you did that made the difference? Clearly mindset, the things that you were talking about is very important. Are there specific things that you did? It sounds like you had relationships with people that were still strong that you were able to leverage. What I learned as I started to grow that business is was was to find good people that wanted to help with, with the cause I was doing. I found my first employee. I paid her $50 a month, but she was willing to see in me something that nobody else was seeing. And then I found another person to work for me and she saw something in me too. And she was encouraging me. And so although it wasn't like these grandiose business connections, it was connections with real people that were able to help me pull myself out of that sort of depression and <clears throat> living out of the car and believing in myself. So um, as I become, as I became more successful in business, I started to realize that those networks and those relationships as you start thinking about them, as you grow your business beyond 50 people or 100 people or 200 people, that relationships and networking become so, so important to make you successful, having the right people on the bus and the right seats, but also connecting with people as, as well. Do you have a way that you find those people? Yeah. So in our hiring process, we have a very thorough, deep uh, hiring process. We're looking for specific people that are able to join our company with our specific culture that we have. Uh, 25 years of success building four companies and selling them profitably. We've been able to do it because the people that join this company, because we go through a lot of effort to find the right people, but also the networking. I mean, so I'm on the technology council board. I, I try to attend social events. I try to connect with people. I try to connect other people with people and I try to give. And the more that you give, like we give to the tech council, I spend time helping people to grow back in return comes much to me because of that. And I think as we can think of that and the listeners can think about the concept of giving as a financial resource to get back something for yourself, not that you're doing it intentionally to get something, but it's just the way the universe works. Very well said. Let's go to your everyday money tip because it's really on the same theme. Yeah. So, I mean, I was looking into this and thinking about giving and I was thinking about uh, why does it make a difference? And uh, it does. So for every act of giving, you could change the world for good, right? 
Yes. I mean, it's not like you're changing the world for bad. You're help, helping something. And it's been shown, I guess, and there's some studies. Harvard Business School did a study and found that when people give, it basically makes them feel better and actually uplifts them more than the person that receives the gift themselves. So it's almost, I hate to say, it's almost like the endorphins you get from exercising. I mean, giving to people really will make your life richer, not just theirs. Absolutely. And there's studies about it. And there's also some studies about, uh, I was reading about a study in the University of California about um, how gifting can become contagious. And it inspires observers to feel like they have to be generous, which then it turns them to give more. So it's a, it's a contagious thing too. So not only giving makes you happy, it's contagious. And lastly, here's the cooler thing. Here's a really cool thing. Giving actually makes us healthier. So there was a study I was researching also at the University of California, Berkeley, found that older people that volunteer to or more organizations are 44% less likely to die than their non-volunteers. So it makes us healthier too. All good things. <laughs> all right. Before we wrap up, I do want to just talk to you about all the different projects you have going on at Wolf LLC. Tell us what you're up to. Well, so we're up to a lot. We have Gift Card Granny, which has been around for a while, uh, gets over a million visitors a month. But we're launching this new product called Giftja. And what Giftja is, is a sort of a fixing of the broken marketplace. The gift card itself, having been in that for so long, I've noticed that it was broken. Bobby, how many times have you gotten a gift card that you've stuck in your wallet or lost or, or got stolen even? All the time. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, there's definitely a big issue that people, and this is a big financial grown-up tip. I mean, you got to use those gift cards. Right. And so if you think about it, how long has the gift card been around? 25 years? It hasn't changed. I mean, here we are Venmoing money to each other and Zelle and so on and so forth. Why is the gift card not changing? You're losing it. It's, you know, there's, there's criminal activity. I'm not even sure your listeners would realize this, but gift cards are used in prostitution and child trafficking because it's not traceable. It's a broken product. And so I've been involved in this for a long time, saw it as a broken product. So we've launched a thing called Giftia, which is sort of like Ven Venmo of gifting. So Bobby, what I would do is I'd send you a gift. It would be a text message. You'd then link your Visa card to whatever merchant I was buying you for. Let's pick a coffee shop down on the street on the corner. And when you went into that coffee shop and swiped that Visa card that you registered with us, we'd identify the transaction and credit it. You'd never have to worry about carrying gift cards around with you anymore. Finally, Jason, tell us where can people find out more about you and your companies, your social handles, et cetera. So you can find more about Wolf at wolf.com. You can find more about Giftja at giftja.com. And I am at, on Twitter at Jason Wolf. Um, and of course, you can just search me at Jason Wolf or jasonwolf.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. Hey, everyone. Before we get to my take on the interview, I want to share a personal story. I recently was in a bookstore and I saw this book that I remember loving, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it years ago. I wanted to remember the main points, but the truth is my memory's just not that good. And rereading it, probably not realistic given my current schedule, but I had a solution because I had recently discovered an app called Blinkist and sure enough, it was on there. So what Blinkist does is it takes books, including the four-hour workweek, and it breaks them down into manageable 15-minute-ish summaries so you can get all the knowledge that you need even if you don't have the time. I love the app so much, I reached out to Blinkist to bring them on board as a partner to the podcast. Get a free trial using my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist, and then 
please let me know how you like it and what books you are listening to. And thank you for using that link to support the show. Again, it's bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Here we go, my friends. Financial grown-up tip number one. Know the commission before any financial transaction and absolutely try to minimize or eliminate it. Jason kind of -of matter-of-factly gave the example of getting just $67 back after cashing a $100 check when he was young. I don't know how taking such a big percentage was even legal or the full circumstances behind that, but it is just not right. As an example, in my life, my son and I recently went to deposit coins that he had saved. We found out that if you take those coins to one of those coin counting machines that make it oh so easy, they count it for you, no mess, no fuss, except they take a commission of as much as almost 12% in some cases. We ended up rolling the coins ourselves and bringing it to our bank's local branch and we were able to keep all of the money. So it would have been $88, we kept $100 out of every 100. Financial grown-up tip number two, take a step back and think about Jason's comments about generosity and how he believes that has driven his business goals, his strategy, and yes, his success. Let's consider what we can do to support others, often at no real cost to ourselves. Jason didn't focus on it, but the fact that his friend supported his early business efforts by offering Jason office space and resources was a big driver in Jason's ability to start his first business. Maybe you can make an introduction. Maybe you can offer someone a place to hold a meeting. Maybe you can just give someone your technical equipment when you upgrade. Maybe you can support them by saying something nice on social media. As Jason points out, generosity is a path to success. And thanks to all of you for your generous support, especially those of you who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. And if you have not, please consider doing so. Again, it's free. If you have not already, I would love for you guys to also check out my new podcast with Stacking Benjamins, Joe Salcihai, which we recently found out is a finalist for Best New Personal Finance Podcast of the Year at the 2019 Plutus Awards. That is, the show is called, I should say, Money with Friends. We also have a great team of money co-hosts that join us on each show. And We are also, by the way, thankful that this podcast is in the running as a finalist for Podcast of the Year and Best Investing Podcast. The team here, including Steve Stewart and Ashley Wall, work really hard to get this podcast out for what is now over 225 episodes. It goes so fast. Send your feedback on this and other episodes, as well as topics you want us to hit on and guests you'd like to hear on the show to me on the socials at BobbyRebel1 on Instagram at Bobby Rebel on Twitter. And you can also email all of us at hello at financialgrownup.com. Jason Wolf is amazing. Please go learn more about him and his latest venture gift yet. And thank you to Jason for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.